Welcome to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. Social media is hard, but trying to do social media as somebody else is impossible. Do you struggle with imposter syndrome? Do you hate seeing yourself on camera? Are you unsure of what platform to be on and how often to show up there? Well, join the club. On every episode, you'll hear a real life person talk about their successes and struggles on social media, how they overcame their own insecurities, and they'll give practical insight for you to apply today. So if you're ready, let's start the show. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Social Media Mindset. I, I, I'm getting real, real excited about bringing authors on the show, especially authors that also happen to be my friend. So, and and guys, the story that you're going to hear today is is pretty wild. And uh, <laughs> I think there's there's parts of ourselves in all of it, right? Like I think there's parts of your story, Wally, where where everybody will be like, "Yep, I've been there. I've been there." Yeah. I've experienced something similar to that, but guys, here's why like Wally's book's awesome Thank and you. we're going to talk about it, but here's why I'm selfishly the most excited to have this man on the show is because guys, Wally teaches people how to do, in my opinion, what is the hardest thing on the planet, which is to overcome call, like call reluctance, get on the phone, dial numbers, communicate with people. I speak in front of thousands of people at a time and I'm scared to death to pick up the phone and call somebody <laughs> that I don't know. Right. So maybe we need to do some counseling between you and I while we're on here and you can help me overcome my fear. But guys, I want to, I want to read, I want to read this little part about you on the, on the back cover of your book, bro. It says Wally Bressler is an ex con turned life and business coach whose primary goal is to help people realize that they don't have to hit rock bottom to experience radical transformation. That's, That's good. That's the truth. So, bro, welcome to the show. Thank Thanks you for being me. here. I really think I should have titled my book "Rethink Everything." You know, what I'm saying because because uh, it is it is you know a lot of the stuff you have to do and change your mind is rethink everything. By the way, I'm excited. I got my copy. I'm gonna heck gonna yeah, dude. Very quickly. So I just wanted to just just friends, <laughs> just friends supporting each other. That's right, man. That's right. Jim, so get it. you. You have quite the story, Wally, that, mm -hmm. that's had a lot of turns and twists and redemption and setbacks. And uh, mm -hmm. you you called it tragic hero. Mm -hmm. I want to I want to start here. What mm -hmm. what part of your story are you the most proud of? Mm -hmm. um, wow. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. You know that I. I that I made the changes that I actually, you know, when I hit rock bottom that I made the decision to make the change, you know, I heard somebody say before me, you know, use your rock, use rock bottom as a trampoline, you know? So, yeah. and, and, but not just that I, I didn't give up, but that I'm able to do for my children, what my parents weren't able to do for me mm. because for know, 13, 14, I'm trying to think 2019. So, you know, for, yeah, I mean, it took 19, 18. So look, my, for my 19-year-old, my, at the time, 17, it was uh, 14 and then 12. At that time, that's how old my kids were when, 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 I, just, when I hit rock bottom. Up until, that, my, up until that point, you know, my kids were well on the way to having the same childhood that I had. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Not completely, but you know, I mean, it was they weren't sexually abused. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, a lot of the same stuff that happened when I was a kid happened to them too. So they were well on their way. So I would say that's what I'm most proud of is that you know I I I decided to let rock bottom serve me and make the changes that I necessarily that I need to make so that my kids have will have a, a significantly better life than I will have than I yeah have. So man I love that yeah mm-hmm. you you wrote at the at the top of your intro right you you wrote I am not a victim and I know that 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 is a huge part of of your coaching and 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 just the way you live your life and you hear it in your in your company I hear it in my company where people just love to rattle off all the excuses to why like you can do video and I can't you can make phone calls and I can't you can do this and I can't talk about like what is it about that victim mentality that's so attractive to people um hmm. so first of all i couldn't make calls for 10 years <laughs> so wow i had call reluctance for 10 years so i you know I, I okay I, we're gonna dig into that yeah yeah oh yeah we will not yeah but what what makes the victim mentality so so attractive you know i don't think there's any when you say attractive i think it's uh it's less painful believe it or not as painful as it is it's less yeah. painful than doing the work to make the change necessary to yeah not be a victim anymore right and and part of it is is that in all of us look at some point i was a victim at sure. least for a couple when, you know when i was younger i was a victim and everybody who for the most part everybody most people who have some sort of victim mentality were probably a victim at some point in their life does that make sense yeah but you know what happens is is we create these hidden identities these beliefs about ourselves that we you know of what we can do and what we can't do of who we think we are and who we think we aren't right and so what happens is we get so caught up in the belief about that that you know what that we, we get to the point where I'm like oh I, I can't do that there's just no way I can do that right because of the belief system we've created about ourselves for so long most people don't realize why they're even acting like victims. If that makes any sense, they, we tell ourselves mm-hmm. these stories, you know, I'm saying that I'm not good enough. I don't have enough money. I'll never be able to do this. I'll never be able to do that. And it's just programming over decades that's created that. And, you know, and here's the thing, you know, and I, Will Smith says it best. He said, it may not be somebody's fault that you got where you got, but it is your responsibility to fix it. Mm. Right. And so, good. like I said, a lot of people who, are, who, who, ex- who display the victim mentality were victims at some time. Um, and number the second thing is, I, and I just, just popped in my head. I just thought about this, you know, the attention is incredible. You get an incredible amount of attention. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. Abraham Maslow talks about the hierarchy of needs, right? Certainty, significant, I mean, certainty, significance, I mean, uncertainty, significance. So significance is super important to all of us. It's a, it's a basic human need, but some of us really, really go to the other side of that. So in addition to making it hard to change because uh, there's so much comfort in not changing, even though it's not fun, and the need for significance because you get so much attention when you're able to be the victim and somebody said, oh, honey, it's okay. Or, you know what I'm saying? Even if you get negative attention, it's still attention. I think those two things make it so hard for people to get out of victim mentality. So in in your, you know, so you you have a company called Phone Cell Secrets, right? And and so you deal with people, right? That, that they show up to you. That would trigger sales system. 
So, oh, trigger, trigger cell system. Okay. <laughs> My camera was in front of where you were pointing. So I was like, I hope no he's problem. pointing. No, we should leave. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not I think it's awesome. Yeah. So it's not trigger cell system. It was phone cell secrets for the longest time. Yes. Okay. Well, we can change it. Mm-hmm. It, it, it doesn't change the fact that you no. deal with men and women mm-hmm. that show up and go, I, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I cannot figure this out. Mm-hmm. So what, what is your kind of first step with them to help them overcome, overcome this reluctance that they have? Uh, is, is finding out where it comes from, right? The problem, it's just like going to the doctor, right? You go to the doctor, the doctors and say, you go, my head hurts. He goes, okay, lay down. We're going to operate. Yeah. Right? He's like, you know, is it a consistent pain? You know, where does it hurt? And they ask all kinds of questions. And so any problem you want to solve, you got to find out what the source of the problem is. You know, Tony Robbins makes a good point. It's like, it's important to understand, you know, why and where a certain problem comes from, but it's important that you just don't stay there and continue to get, you know, uh, yeah. mired in all the pain associated with it. So I just had people do a really simple exercise. I don't have any here. <clears throat> Ask them to take a note card or two note cards and just write on it. What is the source of my call reluctance? Or mm. they may be a procrastinator or a perfectionist, or they may have imposter syndrome or whatever the issue is that's keeping them from getting on the phone. And they just have them write it on each card and, I tell them to read one card for the rest of the day that they write and the other one goes on their nightstand. And then by the next morning, they usually have the answer. And the reason oh, is wow. because, yeah, we, you know, our subconscious remembers everything we've ever tasted, touched, smelled, heard, or seen. It remembers it all. But it's like a sandwich, you know, very few people remember and, and uh, finally get yeah. it. So, um, and it's all in there. And so it's, and, and so it's interesting as we're talking about this, that anybody who's watching this, who had some sort of issue with their brain automatically went, oh, wait a second, I can do that. And it's already starting to look for people. People's brains are already starting to look. But the whole point is, yeah. is it's in there. And if you want to deal with it, you got to go find out what's causing it first. That's the most important thing. So I'm, I'm excited about this conversation mm-hmm. because you and I, in, in the world's view, kind of do the opposite thing, right? I teach social media in a very mm-hmm. organic way, mm-hmm. high, high touch way, very relational way. But then most of our industry look at what you do and go, I don't want to cold call. Like that's that's sleazy, that's salesy. Yeah. Like all those people out there just burning through numbers, trying to find the one out of a hundred, the two out of a you know ninety four, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you and I were having a conversation before we hit record of it's not my way or your way or somebody else's way. It's the combining of having a good online presence, but creating those daily disciplines that keeps you in front of people. Well, you know, and, and to your point, phone, you know, phone reluctance, car reluctance, there's also video reluctance. There's plenty of people yeah. in front of a camera, right? You know, and so it's interesting. I, I kind of, I broken this down. You know, there's some people that want to get on the phone and talk to people they don't know, but they won't talk to people they do know. And then there's people yeah. who will talk to people they don't do know, but won't talk to people that they don't know. Or there's people that will get on a camera, but won't get on a phone. And there's people that get on a phone, won't get on a camera. And then there's people that won't do either. Right. So there's, there's, you know, a cross section of each of those where, you yeah. know, cause I know tons of people, tons of people that were, are happy to get on a camera, get seen, you know, let their image be there, but would rather have you drag them behind a car for a mile than get on the phone. Dude, that I I might even be the unicorn in my own category, which is I love to talk to everybody, but I never tell anybody what I do. Is that is that a category? 
I mean, I guess it depends on why you don't tell them what you do. I don't. I don't know. Well, we can find out if you want. We are we, we gonna are we are we up, gonna psychoanalyze me right here on this on this episode? I can if you want. It won't take long. But I'm just saying. I mean, it's there's a reason, you know. And it, it may not be. And here's the thing, you know, it's it's interesting because I think people think you have to have like have to have had like a train wreck of a childhood, like I did, or like lots of terrible yeah. experiences to be in a position where you're your you know your your ability to get on the phone, your ability to get in front of people, you know. And by the way, before we go any further. You know, the reason people can't get on the phone is the same reason they don't keep a calendar. It's the same reason that they don't go to the gym consistently. It's the same reason that they don't eat a diet consistently. It's the same reason they don't work out consistently. It's the same reason they don't get in front of a camera. It's all the same reason. It's all that 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 self-esteem, that self-worth, that, you know, that that need for approval or acceptance that gets in their way that prevents them from doing that. Okay. Does that make sense? One hundred percent. Yeah. Right. So Yep, I but, agree. Right. And so um anyway, um, I forgot where I was going before that. Um Anyway, so the, the whole point is, is you know, we, we this happens, and a lot of people don't know why it happens. Oh, I, I remember. So you don't have to have a train wreck of a child like I did, right? It could be something very, very simple. I have clients that I've worked with. Here are the two seemingly most innocent examples of people that had call reluctance, and one who very image conscious, happy to get in front of a video camera, not able to get on the phone. So she's a friend of mine, real estate agent, and um. Beautiful woman, sweet, sweet, kind woman. And, um, you know, I, I, hair extensions, nothing wrong with this, but hair extensions, eyelashes, you know, special skin treatments, teeth whitening, lips getting filled, you know, nails, you know, all brand name clothing, $5,000 purses, you know, Mercedes car, like completely like will not leave the house unless she looks perfect. And we dug into it. And what we found was, is that when she was in fifth grade, she wore dress shoes to gym class one time. And the mm. kids made fun of her and they kept making fun of her. And she was so triggered by that, that she decided she would never, ever leave the house when somebody without somebody, without what she looking, what she felt to be perfect. So nobody could say anything about her. Only problem is that perfectionism is, is a guaranteed strategy for failure. Cause you can't be perfect. Right. One yep. little, right. Yep. Other, another one's a guy, um, real estate agent, uh, always felt he was bothering people when he called them. And, um, it stemmed from a very, very innocent, experience he was uh going to visit this new kid in town new kid moved in he was excited went over there three four five days on the fifth day he got there and instead of the little kid answering the little kid's brother answered and the little kid's brother goes you know you don't have to keep coming over here every day and that right there that little trigger that's what we call the trigger sales system because there's triggers that you know, they, they basically trigger our fight or flight instinct and in this case for people that have call reluctance video reluctance it is Mm. the flight side the free side and from that day on he felt that anybody time he was talking to somebody who was bothering them right mm. so it doesn't have to be all the stuff i've been through it'd be something that simple a lot of times people whose parents never fought in front of each other creates call reluctance because people want to avoid confrontation and conflict because they never Bro, they never ding 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 i've never, never i've ding. never seen my parents fight in my whole life well there you go so you're not you're not a big fan of confrontation and conflict then most likely no i'm no i'm not 100 percent Right. And so if you never saw your parents fight and look, I mean, it's, look, parents, kids who have parents who fought all the time, that's bad because that creates tons of, you know, sure. uh, and, and mental yeah. health. But if your parents never fought in front of you, that, that, you know, when it comes to confrontation, when it comes to conflict that you perceive to be a conflict, it's not really a conflict, you know, you know what I'm saying? And it, and it could be, you don't tell people what you do because you don't want them to say, oh my God, that's stupid or that's dumb. Or why would you do that? Or, you know what I'm saying? And so let, yeah. So let's talk through this for me. 
because this is my podcast, right? We can do I can do whatever I want. So we can we, we can. I'm actually going to a steakhouse after this, so I'm not going to be eating pizza tonight. That a boy. Um, but here, here's what I think my struggle is, and you're the expert, and so you can diagnose it and dissect it, and I'm hopefully not, this will. I'm not a therapist; I do not diagnose. So, well, <laughs> I, you know, I got you. I got you. So, my at least this is what I think my fear is. I think the the whole like not seeing my parents fight thing that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But what I also struggle with is like I pride myself so much on being like the guy that everybody loves. You know, like I just love being around Kyle. I have fun when Kyle's around. I'm, I feel encouraged when Kyle's around. And so somehow I've created this storyline, this narrative that says the moment you bring up business, people are going to go, oh, that's why you were being so nice. Because you were trying to kind of sweet talk your way into business opportunity. And that's that's the way I look at it. And so I struggle. But dude. I have friends of mine that I've been friends with for a decade that go, what do you do for a living? Mm-hmm. And that's bad. Okay. That's well, not bad. Just I mean, not, it feels bad. It feels bad good, to me. It's neither, it's neither good nor bad. It's just, it's so, so where in your life did you not get approval unless you did something good? Man. So what's interesting is like my parents, praised me for everything like so i didn't i'm like the opposite of that i didn't have to fight for the approval of anything my my mom was you know when you left the house but when you left the house and went to school and around other people you didn't get praised all the time right no i didn't no it's no for sure right i mean you ever bullied in school um yeah yeah For for what being the fat kid okay so there you have it, right? Like yeah. your mom and dad did not do you a favor by telling you everything was amazing and that you were amazing and everything and that you were praised for everything, not fighting in front of each other because it's a false narrative. I'm not saying that they're bad people. Sure. You know what I'm saying, but if you, sure. don't teach, if you don't teach your kids how to handle adversity and how to handle tough things, you know, when bad things come along, it's going to be hard for them, you know? Yeah. You know, I battled my weight for most of my life too. I was a fat kid. I was made fun of for being fat, but, you know, and and quite honestly, even if your parent what your parents did did not impact you in any way, shape, or form, the fact that you were bullied can create issues around acceptance and approval. Yeah. The reason sixty percent of salespeople have a very strong need for approval, a very strong need to be liked, and it's that need for approval and it's that need to be liked that actually prevents them from getting on the front and getting in front of front of a camera. Yeah. So very very strong possibility that your need to be liked, at least in that area. Yeah, so strong because you were bullied and because your parents did not want, did not let you face any adversity in those areas that you are just not willing to go ahead and say that to them because you're afraid they're not going to like you or they're going, they're going to reject you. 100%. Right. Does that make sense? 100% it does. Yeah. And so, um, um, and so the, the, the challenges then is, is, you know, what do you need to do to go ahead and work on that? And yeah. so a lot of it has to do with number one, and I call it getting radical. So becoming radically honest with yourself and saying, Hey, you know what? This is, in this case, we're not going to call it a problem because I don't think it's a problem. You know what I'm saying? It's not preventing you from having those relationships. It's not hurting your business, you know, sure. but it is, it is probably keeping people at a surface level in certain areas. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's, you know, and, th- and the thing is, is 
you know, wanting everybody to like you when you're around you is, I understand that. I just talked about that earlier today with somebody, nobody, you know, I'm not nobody, but as far as I'm concerned, nobody wanted people to like them more than I did. You know, I spent my life, I, I wasted millions of dollars trying to get people to like me and to see me buying, you know, motels and houses and BMWs and other stuff I should have never bought, you know, so I get it. So, you know, first step is, is identifying it. I think we're close, but, you know, you'd have to go back and remember the experiences. But sure, the next, the next part is, is every time that issue comes up and you're ready to talk to somebody and you get that whatever feeling inside of you, that anxiety, that feeling of, 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 of being less worthy or, or less valuable or self-esteem in that area come up, you got you to gotta sit there and say, okay, wait a second, there's that feeling right now. And instead of going back into and this not going to bring it up mode, I'm going to stop for a second. And I'm going to say, okay, this is the, this is what happens when I start talking. This is my need to be liked, my need to be approved of and do some square breathing or some box breathing. So like you take your breath in for four, you hold for four, you let out for four, you hold for four and you just keep doing that. And it gets you out of fight or flight and into mm. rest and digest, right? That's okay. just your, that's just your freezer flight instinct getting triggered by what's been happening over the last, what are you 48, 40 yet? Yep. Yeah, 40. So the, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So for the last forty years, you just had a birthday, didn't you? November. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I remember it wasn't too long ago. So the whole point is, is you know, your your brain is so used to being triggered by that that it goes right into that, you know. And so fight or flight is your your brain just saying, okay, we're mm. not going to deal with this and we're going to run, you know. So yeah. But and then just keep practicing that. The other thing is, is I, I put my semi clients to uh, a, a YouTube. Uh, page called mindful movement and i have them practice mindfulness which is spending five or ten minutes um just listening to the the narrator her name is laura in this case just listening her to her take you through uh some activities of teaching your brain to to focus on just what's happening right now mm. and by forcing our brain to focus on what's happening right now we actually are retraining it we're rewiring it neuroplasticity it's called and we're teaching our brain to not let thoughts in that are that are destructive that that could hurt us. And eventually, if you do that enough times, you know your brain will start to not let that bother you. And then the last thing is, is you got to start, you know, some sort of affirmation strategy. You know, what I'm saying you got to yeah. do some supporting strategy. Like you know what, and this is one of my favorite ones that I give my my, my the folks I work with is I'm good. I you know, I, I'm 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 good enough the way that I am. I'm as I'm I'm I'm, I'm good way the way I am. And uh, I'm good enough. Sorry. I'm good enough the way that I am. I need nobody's approval, but my own. Mm, I'm good, good enough. Yep. I'm good enough how I am. And I need nobody else's approval, but my own. And if you say that enough to yourself, you're going to believe it because it's true. We're all, we're all good enough the way that we are. 100%. Like, you're you a pastor. You know, we both believe in, uh, in God. I mean, you know, we're exactly where we should be as God, where wanted us, where God wanted us to be. Yeah. That's the whole side of free will is we get to make the decisions we want and, we're not any less loved or any less approved of by God for the bad choices we make. And so that's kind of how we have to be well. And, and, you know, it's funny because I ask people all the time, I'm like, would you tell your kid they were stupid? Would you tell your kid they were lazy? Would you tell your kid that they weren't good enough? No, nope. we see the most, the, the, hor the most horrible things to ourselves and, you know, and, and things that we would never say to a child that if you wouldn't say it to a child, you shouldn't say it to yourself. Right. You know, you should be saying things to yourself that are empowering and, and, and supportive. And that that's part of it. I I just started a new uh, affirmations like today. Well, you can put that uh, one in. I'll, I'll add yours in there. Um, mm -hmm. I also have like social media affirmations that I've created that I coach mm -hmm. people to use. I love it. Right. Just to get in front of the camera more. Mm -hmm. But Wally, what 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 intrigues me so much about about what you do that I that I want to talk about is. In, in the world of tech advancing 
mm-hmm. at a crazy speed, right? New ways to, 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 to go find clients are coming out all the time, sure. right? Social media is crazy. Mm-hmm. Like you are still passionately behind guys. We got to get on the phone some point. Right. And yeah, so talk to, I talk to people. Cause I know there's going to be a ton of listeners and I've been in this camp too, that just want to dog people that call all the time. Right. And, and again, I think it's a, it's a mechanism for me to not feel guilty. Right. So I, I can belittle someone else, but talk that's to life the people. In general. <laughs> that's life in general. 100%. Sorry, right? that's so life. to the, to the people that listen to this, the realtors and lenders that are like, Oh, I don't cold call people, man. I care about people more than that. I'm not, I'm not going to annoy people like that. Like talk <clears throat> some truth into the power of what you're doing, but also why it matters so much. Sure. So statistically, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go on to a little diatribe here. I apologize. I'm That's trying, great. Come on. Just trying to think about where to start here. So look, statistically speaking, people want to talk to somebody when they're ready to make a purchase. Okay. So yeah. we'll just take millennials, Gen X, and baby boomers. They're probably the, you know they, they're the three groups that represent the largest uh, demographics on the planet. Uh, 25% of each of those demographics on average want to talk to somebody when they're ready to make a purchase. Okay. Yeah. Once it gets to be a large purchase and they, they put it as over a thousand dollars, it goes up to 50. Okay. So people do want to talk to somebody, right? If you're buying a house to a car, right. I don't, you know, necessarily, I mean, I don't necessarily need to talk to somebody to buy airline travel. I could get away with buying insurance, but even I want to talk to somebody when I buy insurance to make sure that I get the right coverage. Sure. You know, I mean, all these yeah. companies have gone online, but the fact of the matter is, is usually end up talking to somebody anyways, because you want to make sure that if you get a car accident, you have health issues that you get the right coverage. Right. So even that's not completely gone, but people want to talk to somebody when it comes time to do that. The problem is, is that they're going to do business with the person that they either know really well at the time they make the decision or whoever's in front of them at the time they make the decision. Mm. Right. Yep. And so if you are lucky enough to be the person that's in front of them because they bumped into you or saw you, that's great. But the better thing is to talk to them and build a relationship with them and stay in touch with them over time until you're ready to be there. They're ready to do something. And, and that relationship is going to serve you best. I mean, we know that real estate is a relationship business, right? Yeah. Yeah. We're not selling houses. We're selling ourselves. Right. Yep. At least sense. we should be. Hopefully. Right. And yeah. that's what the attraction to social media is, is. I get, you know, I get that. I don't, it's, it's not, it's not quite tactile because I can't touch you, but I can see you. I can hear you. Right. I can, I can connect with you vibrationally, right. Your story, the thing. So that's great. I get all that. You know what I'm saying? And so I think that's the appeal for a lot of people is they feel like they can quote, sell themselves better. Plus if I control the narrative and what you see of me, if you see how I'm dressed and you see my surroundings and I put my makeup on or my done my hair and stuff like that. And I I, I look the way that I want to look in my mind, it's harder for you to reject me because you know what I'm saying? Uh Uh-huh. On the phone, I can't see you. I can't hear yeah. you. Anything can be happening. All kinds of things in my mind could be happening that, didn't, that that couldn't happen, right? So the whole point is, is this, is that when it comes time to do business with somebody, you need to talk to them, okay? I It's almost, it's, it's rare when somebody buys a home sight unseen. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's it's yeah. rare when somebody buys a car sight unseen. Right. And, and it's important. I, I think I mentioned this in some content I put out, but back in 1995, April, I think it was April of 1995, the internet really started to take off. Right. It was the big thing back then. So almost, you know, basically, you know, almost 30 years ago. 
And what they were saying at that time is you'll never buy anything from somebody. Brick and mortar is going away. You're going to buy it all over the internet. You know, law, legal for legal stuff. Sure. Travel. Sure. Insurance. Sure. You know, groceries. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Amazon, there's all kinds yeah. of stuff you're going to buy alone. But you know what? Real estate, I don't think that's ever going to happen to. Now it's AI is going to come take your job. Well, you know, I mean, AI could take your job because there could be a company that's got more resources that's going to pour a truckload of money in AI and, and put you out of business because you're not keeping pace. But right. AI, AI is not going to sell anybody, even if, you know, because we've had AI, AI in real estate for a while, you know, and it's been mm-hmm. building relationships and getting people closer to the decision of making a home. But still, at some point, they're going to talk to somebody to go buy a home. So, you know what? You got to get on the phone. I Please use social media to your advantage. Please do what you need to do because that will distance you from other people in your marketplace, right? Because if you're the expert and they can see you're the expert and they connect with you, then they're going to want to talk to you. And then once you talk to them, that conversation is going to be a lot easier. But, and and use AI. So they're going to add, help you, you know, add to your, uh, your advantage as well. But the fact of the matter is, is that, if you do not pick up the phone and talk to people, you're going to miss out on opportunities. And I guarantee, guarantee it, that there are plenty of people who have generated truck loads of leads, and then they found out that somebody they were engaging with on social media bought or sold the house to somebody mm-hmm. else. Like, I guarantee it. It's 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 yep. the it's the prospectors equivalent of bumping into somebody at the grocery store, right? Oh, and saying, oh, I bought a house. Like, come here, let's go meet in the parking lot. You know. So you know, I, look at it like you said. I don't think you can get around either. You know, you're going to have to talk to people and you're going to have to really build that brand over social media, you know? So the other day I was on a call with, with the, the, the real estate group you're a part of with the Cliff Freeman group. And, uh, yes, very good. And you, um, I, I loved cause you, you jumped on to kind of give a little like, you know, Wally's world for a little five minute coaching yeah. session mm-hmm. and bro, you just start rattling off what would be a script right of the way you would speak to someone on the phone and and so you you just go into wally mode and my mind is blown and then at the end you're just like see guys like wasn't that wasn't that easy wasn't that easy like when and and i'm watching people's faces as they're like no it's not easy. That's why you have a company that does this. So what are a couple of, of really bad ways you've watched people act on the phone when they may think like they're doing a pretty good job and you're like, Oh, don't say that. Don't do that. Like, what should we avoid? You know, when I worked in the mutual fund industry, we used to call it, you know, you know, dropping all your candy in the lobby. And what that means is, right? Have you heard that before? <laughs> I yeah, haven't heard that. Dropping all your candy in the lobby. Like you don't even get to where you're supposed to be. And you're, <laughs> I you're, love it. Right? So you're just telling everybody everything you want to know. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you want, yeah. you want, you want to test this. Go ahead. Dude. I want you to test, not you, anybody. But you want to test what other agents are like. Most agents are like, go ahead and start calling agents in your marketplace and secret shop them. And most of them are not going to ask your name. Um, if you ask them oh. the price of a home, they'll give you the price and nothing else. If you ask them to tell you about the house, they're not going to ask you which one. Oh, they're just going to start telling you about it. And they're immediately going to try and sell you the house over the phone. So the biggest mistake you can mm-hmm. do is just start vomiting all over. People are, you know, losing, dropping all your candy in the lobby. You just don't, you just don't start saying everything. That's so good. Right. Just trying to, just trying to tell everybody everything you can right up front. Right. You know, that'd be like, again, I, I love the doctor because, you know, doctors are professionals and they need to diagnose people before they prescribe them. Right. Prescription before diagnosis is malpractice. It's the same thing in real estate. 
Mm. Like, I don't know what you're pre-approved for. I don't know what your time frame is. I don't know. You know, I don't know what you're looking for. But if I sit there and start, oh, well, it's, you know, it's, so basically it's a 3,500, they'll go like this. Well, it's 3,500 square feet. It's a colonial. It's all been updated. Uh, brand new countertops, brand new kitchen, great backyard, great cul-de-sac, three-car garage. And, you know, and, like, and, and all they want, you know, all they wanted was the price. You know what I'm saying? And I don't blame them per se. Yeah. Because that's the way they were trained. You know what I'm saying? A lot of people don't get this training. However, with the ridiculous amount of training that's on the internet and the good training that's out there, that can be overdone. So my biggest challenge is people who just lose all their, they drop all their candy in the lobby. They just start talking about anything to try and sell the person, right? So then what's the, how do you overcome that? How do you overcome that? Yeah. So like, what's the training to to kind of move them away from that to doing it the right way? The whole point is, is you want to ask questions. Okay. Right. You want to ask, you want to be genuinely interested. Hey, listen, I noticed that you would uh no, or even if it's a sign call, hey, looks like you're calling about 123 Minks, and that's great. Hey, let me ask you, you're interested in just that house or other houses like it. Oh, I just I just want that house. Okay, great. You know, the reason I'm asking is at our office we've got a um a proprietary homeowner service. And if I know what style, price range, amenities, and areas you're looking at, I can provide you with a free list of properties on a regular basis. And the reason I know this is because I say this to you is because you know that buyers want selection, price, ease of doing business. They want to look at as many houses, houses as possible from Canada and houses. So I want as many houses as possible, right? <laughs> they want the best deal they can get and they want it to be as easy as possible for them. So if that's the case, why am I trying to sell them one house? Right? So the whole point yeah. is, is asking them questions, letting them tell you how to sell to them. If you ask somebody enough questions, they'll tell you everything you need to know. Right? Why? Why? Because I 100% agree with you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the most practical advice. Um, because I was actually, I was at a, a part of my coaching group today where I get coached. I'm not the coach I'm receiving coaching and, and my mentor asked, how can we practice being more humble this week? And my response was to ask more questions of people, right? Me having a genuine interest in you keeps me from being focused on myself. That's Dale Carnegie 101, right? That's straight out of how to win friends and influence people. If you want people to be impressed with you, you need to be, you need to be impressed with them. Or the easiest way for people to be impressed by you or with you is for you to be impressed or by or with them. And the only way you can do that is what? Ask questions and then make comments on it, right? Genuine, authentic, meaningful right. comments, not flattery, right. not lip service, right? But so when... But if I may, if I yeah. don't like myself, if I have self-esteem issues, oh. if I'm not happy with who I am, I'm not, I'm not almost, I'm almost not able to do that. You know, Brene Brown, you know, it's funny. She talks about this in, in uh, the gifts of imperfection. You know what I'm saying? She's like, we truly cannot love somebody else. If we don't love ourselves. We don't have mm-hmm. the capacity to do that. If yeah. We don't like ourselves. It's hard to like other people. You know what I'm saying? It's hard to find the good things in other people when we can't find the good things in ourselves. So right? do you, th- do you think, are, are we uncovering the secret to like, why, why are, why is the real estate industry the most narcissistic industry on the planet? And like, why do we lead with promote yourself, promote your listing, talk about how much money you made last month. It's, I mean, did that training develop because we understand that people in and of themselves are super like down on themselves? Probably. And so if let's just coach them to brag about themselves, that solves one problem of helping them be more confident. But then it it doesn't ultimately yeah. solve the the underlying disease. No, no, it does not solve the underlying disease. People don't want you; they want what you can do for them. Right, right. Jay Abraham strategy of preeminence. It's not, hey, look how great I am. It's look how great I am. It's solving your problems. 
know what I'm saying? People yeah. like, I mean, I, this, this is a pet peeve of mine. And if I see you do it online, I'll usually comment about it. I don't get some, I don't, I don't really get positive comments, but it kills me. I don't like real estate clients. And here's the problem. And I, do you know who, um, you must know who James remembered is a Zillow killer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, big social media guy like you. And he yep. said, if most of your followers are real estate agents, you're doing a bad job. Mm. You're doing a really bad job because you're not so there, good. Right? Freaking James, right? dude, just yeah, he's dropping awesome. bombs. Yeah, totally right. And he's not afraid. But so, but hold, the thing is, is I, I agree. And but if if I see you half naked on a post, I'm going to say something about it. And my biggest pet peeve, and I'm not a big pet peeve guy. I don't really let much bother me anymore. My biggest pet peeve is real estate agents making fun of prospects, making fun of clients, or making fun of other real estate agents. Like they think they're being funny. Yeah. Have, you ever seen, have you ever seen a doctor? I mean, they may talk about it with each other person to person. I've never seen a doctor on social media doing a funny meme where they're like tapping their hand. Okay, are you, are you really sick? You know, or making fun of her. You don't see an attorney doing that. <laughs> you don't see an accountant. Right. You don't even see a freaking dry cleaner or hairdresser do that. You know what I'm right. saying? But for yeah. some reason, real estate, is, and they try and defend it. Oh, well, you know, this is the new way to do real estate. And I'm a millennial. And I'm like, no. Mm. You don't make fun of the people you want to do business with. You don't mm. make fun of your competition. And quite honestly, that need for significance. And I and, and again, people confuse building their brand as the person who can solve the problem with building their brand as, hey, look how great I am. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah, you've got 150,000 followers. Oh, look, you're half naked in most of your pictures. I wonder why. Mm. You know, That's strong, I'm, not, bro. I'm not trying to be mean. It's true. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I feel you. And I, I mean, I got 11,000 followers with this face. And trying to add value, you know what I'm saying? It's taking crushing me, it. It's taking like four or five years to get there, you know, at least. Man, I, and, and, I the world, and the, sorry to drop it in the world of of, of being online, eleven thousand is nothing, right? You know. Anyway, I started to drop you. Anyway, I, I just no, but dude, I I was just gonna say like th this conversation could go on. Like I we could we could do a marathon episode. Yeah, and if I didn't have to get to a steakhouse tonight, we could and we would. And so where I want to, where I want to start landing the plane is I want to ask you, obviously we want people to go buy your book, right? Mm -hmm. Tragic hero. I'm holding it up. You, so those of you seeing it on the pod, so those of you on the podcast, you can't see this. You're having, you're real, you're, you know, you're sad right now, <laughs> but it, it's called tragic hero. Mm -hmm. Tell a story from the book for the people that, that haven't had the, the opportunity to, um, to read it yet that that could minister to them and in whatever season they're finding themselves in right now. So uh I you know when I went I went to prison, I went to federal prison spending uh I got sentenced to 14 months for mail fraud. You know, I was part of a of a real estate investing turns out to be scam scheme, you know, turned out to be, you know, I, I wasn't intending to steal money, but you know, my business partner was a pretty savvy loan originator and he lied on about $15 million with the mortgages, mm. you know, my fault for not asking better questions and for not paying attention. And, you know, at the time, you know, the, the atmosphere back then was the wild west for mortgages. So it wasn't completely unrealistic, but, you know, I looked the other way on stuff that I shouldn't have. I didn't ask questions. I shouldn't have, I should have. And even though I wasn't trying to steal money, I was part of something that, you know, banks lost money on. And so I had to accept responsibility for being there. You know, and and for as much as prison did good to me for a lot of ways, it, the one thing I didn't do is I didn't make the changes I needed to make. And so when I came out, I was still addicted to sex and pornography and food and money. I still had all those addictions and I gained all my weight back. 
that I had not all of it, but most of it that I had lost when I was there. And um, I ended up meeting somebody. And, and the reason I say this is that the self-esteem issue was still a big problem for me. And I met somebody who, you know, I just desperately wanted to be loved. And I convinced myself in prison that I was never going to find anybody who wanted to be with someone who had a background like I did. And so the first woman that uh, I met that showed any interest in me, I I fell in love with. And I really, I believe I was in love with her. So we spent four and a half years together, really toxic relationship, red flag after red flag after red flag after red flag. I just ignored it all because I wanted to do better than I did in my marriage, which I was unfaithful in many times. And, um, and I just wanted to. And so um, I asked her to marry me. She accepted an engagement ring from me. And um, she wouldn't move here to Texas. She lived in another state. And so I'm like, okay, I so said, I just can't do this anymore. And I broke up with her. And so I'll give you the, so anyway, it's, it's uh, I'm at the Texas Louisiana state game. My buddy's the offensive line coach there, a good friend of mine. And so I'm there sitting there and I just did not, I mean, really sad, you know, and I'm, it's like 110 degrees out. I started the day. And so, I called her sister and I said, Hey, your sister's calling me and threatening to kill herself if I don't call her. And she's like, Oh, that's just the way she is. I go, what? She goes, yeah, she's been a drama queen our entire life. And then she goes, I'm surprised you guys are still together. I go, what do you mean? She goes, Oh, she's, she's with blank and says what I thought was her ex husband's name. I go, aren't they divorced? She goes, Oh no, they never got divorced. So she was married the entire four and a half years we were together, but because she lived in another state, she could hide it from me. So everything she had told me for the most part was a complete lie. And she was still married the entire time. And that for me was the, the final, in my opinion, was the final bad choice and a, and a litany of bad choices that I made a truckload of horrible choices throughout my life, cost me millions of dollars, relationships and all kinds of stuff. And so a month later, I decided I was going to kill myself. And so I was sitting literally right where I'm sitting now was a different setup back then. And I could see through the, the door that I have like French doors and I can see the light in the garage. I remember looking at the light and it has that kind of like orangish hue to it. You know what I'm saying? And I'm thinking, how am I going to kill myself? And I was thinking about all the ways that I could do it. And, you know, all of them for the most part involved somebody else. And I didn't want to involve somebody else. Like, you know, I was a felon. I didn't have a gun. You know what I'm saying? And uh, yeah. oddly enough, I didn't have a knife sharp enough to cut myself in my house. And I was going to take all my medicine, but, you know, it wasn't enough to kill me. I didn't have alcohol. And, you know, and then all of a sudden it was like, God, like, tap me on the shoulder. He says, hey, you know, remember how you felt when your dad died? I was 23. My sister was 19. My brother was 17. Mm. I'm like, yes. Yeah. says, you know, like, you really want to do that to your kids? And I'm like, no, I don't. And so I decided at that moment that I wanted to get help. And that's why that when you're reading on the back, the, the back, the back uh, section of the book there, right. Uh-huh. That's what I realized is that, like, you know what? You don't have to hit rock bottom. You don't have to not make phone calls again. Mm. You don't have to wake up every day and, and, and dread having to be a real estate agent where you, you know, you're sitting next to somebody who's selling a truckload of houses who may be younger than you or not, whatever the, you know what I'm saying? And you have all the, le- the leverage you need. You have all the motivation you need. You just have to go and tap into it and get into it. So, but that's, you know, I'm not saying he's going to kill themselves, but the whole point is, is that was what I yeah. needed, but not everybody needs that. If they're willing to step up and say, Hey, you know what? I know something happened when I was a kid. I'm sick of it. Keeping me from living the life that I want. Can you help me so I can create a great life for myself? Well, and man, I just, I just want to add in this moment to the people listening and watching, right? If, if you found yourself in, in this dark place, reach out to one of us, mm-hmm. reach out to me, reach out to Wally. Like you are not weird. You are not different. Like 
everybody has struggled with identity, with believing they're enough, with measuring up, right? And so um, seek counsel from somebody Mm -hmm. before Mm -hmm. you do something that uh, you don't get to come back from. And uh, man, I don't do over. Hey, real quickly, just as part of that. Yeah. Thank you to having me on your show today. Um, Anybody who wants to talk to me and find out what we did for Kyle today, and we only scratch the surface, but if you want to find out what's keeping you from getting where you want to go, this nagging thing, just go to my website, triggersalesystem.com. You can get free 30 minutes of my calendar. I'm not going to try and sell you anything. And I will help you find out whatever we, you know, and I can do it in probably the same time I help Kyle. I kind of know what questions that's kind of my. Yeah. Oh, you see your, your, my Thanks, man. Right. yeah, no, my pleasure. So hop in, grab some time. We'll talk and I will, I will tell you, I love it. it. And we'll go from there anyway. So, and how do, how do we, uh, how do we get your 11,000 followers up? Where do people find you on social? I mean, yeah. So, I mean, at Wally Bressler gets you just about anywhere, cool. you know, um, I'm on you know LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook. Um, you know, so I'd love to have you check me out, join me. I, I put out some regular content and, you know, here's the thing I've, I'm still at a point now that where I can be responsive to people. You know what I'm saying? I still can get to get with people and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm busy like you are, but I will always get back to people. So if you hit me up on social media or whatever, if you send me an email, I always, always respond to people. So guys, what Wally's saying is he's going to be famous pretty quick. <laughs> so you better jump on this train before, <laughs> before he doesn't have room for you anymore. There's a difference between famous and busy. All I'm saying is it's, <laughs> I don't want to be famous, but I'm fortunately I'm getting busier and busier. So I love it, yeah, bro. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank mm-hmm. you for putting your life into a book for us to mm-hmm. uh, partake in and learn from. Mm-hmm. Man, I appreciate you. Appreciate you, man. We'll talk to you soon. Be kind to yourself, everybody. Guys, do what Wally says, and we'll be back next week with okay. another cool person with an even cooler story. Thank you. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Social Media Mindset Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please go follow and reach out to my guest. Also, please consider sharing and leaving a review wherever you consume this content because this is the world we live in and your review online for others to see is invaluable for the success of this show. And remember, you're amazing. Talk to you soon.